0: Well, hey there, you amazing human, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Angela Henderson Online Business Show. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who helps women around the world make more money by creating a personalized business strategy and mastering their mindset so they can create a business and life they love and want to show up for every single day. Today, I'm so excited to have on the podcast a very, very good friend of mine, a legend in the online space, and she was also a client of mine twice. This amazing human is no other than Steph Taylor. If you don't know Steph, Steph is an online business strategist. And on the podcast today, we're talking about is launching dead and should you launch or not launch? In this episode, we dig deep about what is launching, what uh, emerging trends and predictions has Steph been seeing over the last beginning of the year and what she predicts for the next half of the year. We also discuss the current economic climate and how this is impacting launching. We go into depth about is launching dead. We also explore how AI is impacting launching, the good, the bad and the not so, you know, in-betweens, Steph also shares the crucial first steps that she recommends people take when it comes to launching. This episode is jam-packed. Steph and I love to geek out on this stuff and we talk and talk and talk, but everything is there's just so many golden nuggets in this episode. So sit back and get ready because your mind is going to be blowing. Hey, hey, hey welcome back to the show, Steph. Hey, and I'm so glad to be here. I think this is what the second or third time now? is I was just thinking about that earlier this morning when I was putting together the uh questions for this particular episode I was like yes this is your third time on the show and I'm always just excited to be in your energy do you mean on any given day but I'm excited to dig into today and discuss launching in 2023 what well, What's been going on in 2023? Because things in the online space are changing. And I know that your zone of genius is launching and also just online strategy collectively. So it's great to get your insight over the next, I mean, 30 to 40 minutes about the scope of launching in the current environment. So I'm wrapped to have you here today. Oh, I'm so excited. I geek out on this stuff. Like I would talk, and you and I talk about this stuff for fun. So I'm actually (laughs) really glad that we're hitting record and sharing all of this with your listeners. Yes, we do talk about this. And I know we've got a co-working day coming up together too, we'll get to geek out together a little bit more and yes we're always geeking out on this stuff it lights us up and even before we press record on here we were talking about like what are you testing what are you testing so we could always do to me talk people's ears off but before we get started as you know I always like to ask my guests a fun question so that the audience gets to know you a little bit better before we jump into launching and is it dead in 2023 so I know that you love to travel and funny enough you didn't even know that I had this question you're like oh I'm getting a bit bored and I'm gonna have to you know I've got to few things now planned for traveling but I know that you have a love of the country Italy so I'd love for you to share with the audience what is the thing you love most about Italy oh I love
1: this question oh I love the people ah oh, the people in the food I can't really decide which one I love more, whether it's, <laughs> you know, like the people watching. There's always some old guy da- driving down the road in his tiny little three-wheeled truck delivering tomatoes, and then there's, you know, like the cu- the passionate couple, and, like, there's just such amazing people watching. It's just so stereotypically Italian. But then the food. Oh, <laughs> the food. And, like, I don't even need to tell anybody who's listening about the food because <laughs> even if you haven't been to Italy, like it's pretty hard to
0: not like Italian food mm-hmm. and Italian food, but also you do have a love of wine, too. So do you I mean you mix yes. people, food and wine? And it's like kind of like this fork awesomeness. And then, look, we can also add in the coffee. The coffee's pretty good,
1: too. But let's just say the, the wine and the food and the coffee all just fit under one umbrella. That's cuisine.
0: <laughs> and we could also talk about, I mean, you could add a side of madness on there, too. Do you mean yeah. there would be some hunk of men too, right? So, I mean, listen, oh, yeah. it is like it's not even a trifactor; It's a quad factor. No, it's not <laughs> a quad what would five be a sink factor? I don't know, but yeah, hey you were killing it when you go to Italy then, stuff. So yay, yay for travel. Now that obviously you've been on the show for three times, but not all of the listeners may have been on at the same time, listening to the podcast as you were on. So I'd love for you to share with the audience in a super simple way. What do you do for business today? Yes. So I am an online business strategist.
1: I work with predominantly coaches, experts, course creators to build online businesses that are profitable, even when they're not at their laptop. Because I think we all start our businesses with this idea of freedom, whatever freedom looks like to you. For me, it's travel it's being able to pursue hobbies and fun things for others it might be to have a few days where a few days off each week where they can hang out with their kids at home like we all started for some version of freedom and then what happens a few years in is you kind of hit the ceiling where you're just pedaling 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 and you might be making decent money but when you stop pedaling the money stops Mm -hmm. flying Mm -hmm. delivery stops So I predominantly work with, yeah, online business owners to create that business that is more of a self-driving car than a bicycle.
0: I love it. And in a world where I'm finding more and more also with the women that I'm working with is that freedom you know, freedom to travel, freedom freedom to go to their kids' dance classes, freedom to just read a book, right, is becoming more and more important to them ever before, even more important than just wanting to make money. And so the fact that, again, you're helping those business owners to create a business that when they can step away, the money's still coming in, I think is a fantastic way for it to go. And if not, one of the only ways, do you know what I mean, kind of going if you want true, like you said, backing away from a laptop and not having your phone attached to you, etc. Now, We're talking about launching today, my friend, Mm -hmm. and launching can mean different things to different people. So I always just kind of like to start off with how are you defining launching uh, so that we're all kind of on the same page as we kind of head into this episode?
1: Yes. So for the context of this episode, I'm talking about launches of digital products. So online courses, group programs, masterminds, memberships those kinds of offers not what I'm talking about today is not going to really apply to physical products and it doesn't really apply to you know if you're launching a new service and when I talk about launching in the context of digital products what I'm really talking about is the sales process that you are repeating a couple of times it's mm-hmm. it's a limited time offer, limited time promotional period mm-hmm. with a deadline. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what it is. It's not when you're just putting it out there for the very first time. So, okay. does that make sense where it's not just that very first time you put that online course out there, but it's like a campaign that you run maybe once or twice a year to make more sales of that online course or other digital product?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, no, absolutely. And that's what I wanted to make sure because. The majority of the people listening are online businesses uh, who are not product-based businesses, but I just still wanted to make sure that we define that really clearly so that everyone's on the same page. Now, at time of recording, we are almost halfway through 2023 and things are changing up in the online space. So I'd love to know specifically from a launch space. Have you seen any emerging trends, right? And I know you're not a huge fan of trends, but I'm still curious to know like what your thoughts are around this. Uh, have you, Are you forecasting or predicting anything for the rest of 2023 or even going into 2024, specifically around the launching?
1: Yeah. So yeah, like, like you said, I'm not big on trends. We've seen over the last couple of years, you know, we've seen all of the different, like here's how you can launch with reels. Here's how you can use TikTok in a launch. Here's how you can do this. Here's how you can do that. All of those trends are really just tactics that you can plug into a solid launch strategy. But if you're missing that strategy, then the launch itself isn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that the overarching strategy of what works in a launch has actually shifted that much this year. So if we think about it, a launch is really just a combination, it's a marketing and a sales process. It's that free content, an offer, and a deadline. Mm -hmm. aimed at getting somebody to make that decision, Mm -hmm. right? Are they in or are they out? And then once we've got that that beautiful marketing and sales strategy that goes into that launch, then how we plug in TikTok or Reels or all of the other shiny objects, then we can think about all of that. Mm -hmm. But first, we need to know how are we giving our audience everything that they need to make the decision about whether this product is the right fit for them or not before the deadline. Mm-hmm.
0: And I also think, like, again, you talk about just having that strategy and that overall foundations, right, that are necessary even before you open doors, you know, and I know you talk often about in your programs about, you know, your launch starts, you know, at least 90 days out, right? And and often I think when I think about trends is I think about quick wins, quick fixes, right? Band-Aid solutions. Uh, to, but, but those Band-Aid solutions, in my opinion, they can work for some people, But they typically can't replicate it again for another launch because that trend has now expired and they can no longer kind of coattail off the back of that trend. So I I think that an overall strategy to which you do with so many of your clients around the world is necessary for not only short-term, but long-term growth. So it's good to hear, again, what your thoughts are about trends. And it's not that you can't use reels. Do you mean reels could be included? But I've seen people who just use reels to launch. And I have since seen some people do really well. Do you know what I mean with it? But I've also seen though the majority of people not do so well because they're just using one, one little do you know what I mean, piece into something that has no strategy behind it. So yeah, good. Does that make, like? What are your
1: thoughts about that? Absolutely. And something that I do notice with people who are very tactic heavy. So for example, let's say somebody's built a really big audience on Instagram. And they might, you know, do a launch where they're literally just pushing the entire launch on Instagram. They're not doing anything with their email list. They're not doing a webinar. They're just really just promoting this course to their Instagram audience and it does really well. And they're like, yes, this was a really successful launch. But the reason that launch was successful was probably because they had a hundred thousand people there waiting for them to literally be sold, literally sell them anything Mm
0: -hmm.
1: rather than them buying because it felt like it was the right decision and something that they really needed. And then when that person goes and launches a second time, then they wonder why
0: the second launch wasn't quite as successful as the first one. Mm-hmm. And I would also argue in times of that, like that also... Those type of buyers is what we would call in the levels of consciousness, a reactive buyer, right? Mm. So you've got someone sitting there on Instagram and they're like, oh my goodness, this is great. Like you said, they don't even need it, but they're buying it almost because of fear of missing out or there's whatever. Uh, And that you also, the risk that I've seen personally is that you also have, guess what? People are going to ask for more refunds. Mm-hmm. Or people stop making their payments for whatever that is that you just launched. And so, again, by having an overall launch strategy, like what you do with your clients, I think is imperative because, yeah, you've, you've got to know what type of buyers are also going to be buying for you and what's your risk associated with that.
1: Yeah. And, and the other thing um, that I want to add to that as well is... Those are the launches, the launches where we're seeing that hype and that buzz and that excitement. Those are the launches that are the most visible from the outside. Mm -hmm. So then when somebody comes to me or they come into my program, Launch Magic, they're like, oh, I want to be able to build that kind of hype and buzz around my launch. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hang on, that's not actually what sells. Mm -hmm. You're just, that's what you think is a launch because that is what you are seeing On Instagram. Mm -hmm. But actually, there are people who are having really, really, really successful launches, where you're not seeing any of that on Instagram, you're not seeing any of the hype and the buzz, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. their audience is really engaged, but they're silently engaged on their email. Not loudly engaged on social media. And this person's not building up hype. They're not saying, hey, we've just had 60 people sign up today. They're not
0: sharing all of that. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. that's where I think it goes back to that alignment piece, right? It's so mm-hmm. often like that, you, you know, that person who would say, hey, I want the hype like that. Mm-hmm. It's, but do they really want the hype? Or is it do you know what I mean that they want to take someone else's approach and hope that it will work for their success, and that's where I believe that again, whether or not it's a launch strategy, whether or not it's a business strategy that I do with my clients, whatever that looks like is it it can't be cookie cutter it can't it has to be in alignment for you, and that's why those silent do you know what I mean uh, launches that you're talking about where we don't see the hype are working for people because they're in alignment with what they're doing it feels right for them so how important do you think it is in launching for people to really lean into the alignment like i again you might not want to hear this but steph you know i'm not a huge launcher do you know what i mean know. i just kind of like I, i'm not i just kind of rock and roll and do my thing because it doesn't it has never really felt right for me and i get super drained from launching right And as a projector in human design, I know that I can do other things for my energy. Like I'd rather do a live event for someone and do like a one-off thing where I can give people a hug and see them than to do say like a webinar, but that's just me, right? But it's my, I'm in alignment with that. I still make a shit ton of money from doing it, but I do it in a different way. And it doesn't mean my way is wrong or your way is wrong or my way is right and your way is right, but I found what works for me. So how important do you think it is when you're creating these strategies with your clients that the alignment piece kind of is key to build everything else out. Absolutely. And just on what you were saying, Ange, like
1: just because you don't do a webinar and your launch doesn't look like what we think a launch is supposed to look like, that doesn't mean that you're not launching because you are, you actually are launching. You're often putting offers out with a deadline and you're (laughs) putting cart open emails out and you're still working towards those launches, right? You've still got that strategy behind them. So even
0: though like, I would say that you actually are still launching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I probably, I mean, yeah, I would, from that perspective, yes, I would say like we're still, we're launching always something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's probably not in the webinar per se or five day oh. challenge per se or, um, I yeah. don't know even evergreen do you know what I mean like we don't do evergreen you know so but it's again we found ways that work for us and again we there's not a lot of like hipping hopping around do you know what I mean either like again you think about Instagram trends and like dancing on that that's not me right yeah. um so we just kind of do our thing so yes yeah, so, no I appreciate you pointing that out because yeah, we yeah. are always launching something uh but it might not just be in the traditional quote-unquote air quotes way yeah and, and
1: what you were saying about the alignment piece is incredibly important for some people. Like I love doing webinars for me, being able to show up for an hour and be live virtually with my audience is, that is so much fun. Mm-hmm. I would never have said that five years ago. I was <laughs> cringing the first time I did a webinar, which was yeah, nearly six years ago. I cringed. It was horrible, but That was, that was not from a place of being out of alignment. That was from a place of, Oh, this is really scary. Um, so being really clear on like, am I not wanting to do a webinar because it just feels icky or Mm -hmm. is it because I'm afraid nobody will show up or somebody might ask me a question I can't answer, or somebody might say something mean, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I once had somebody on a live tell me that my eyebrow looked like it was missing a piece. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, so finding what works for you. Like I don't really enjoy doing challenges because I find it really hard to maintain my energy for five days straight. Yeah. But I can Maintain that energy for a 60-minute webinar. Yeah. Uh, for Some launches, I have not shown up on Instagram at all because I just haven't had that extra bit of energy to show up on social media. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's Those launches have been fine as well. You know, like mm-hmm. it hasn't flopped because I just didn't show up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really finding out if you just want to do a launch that has no webinar and is just to your email list, that is fine too. Mm-hmm. But really need to find out what works for you and what are and what is actually in and out of alignment rather than what just feels scary Mm -hmm. or feels uncomfortable to your nervous system and your body and your brain Mm -hmm. versus what is it that's actually not aligned with you and your gut.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I love it. And I also think too, like, you know, there's, free webinars, you know, that people can do. But I also know with launching, for example, we'll we'll actually test a lot of paid workshops versus, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean, a free webinar. What are your thoughts around that? What have you seen?
1: Yes. Um, So I'm trying to think that we've tested one. No, we haven't yet, but I've seen clients and friends who've tested these. Mm -hmm. And what typically happens is obviously you get fewer people into the paid workshop than you would if it was a free webinar. Yes. But they tend to convert better. The challenge is teaching enough in the paid workshop where they feel like they've got so much value out of it, Mm. but without completely cannibalizing the bigger offer that you are then actually launching.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I would agree with that.
1: Yeah, it can work really well when there's a small transformation that somebody needs or a small outcome or a small problem that somebody needs solved before they can be ready to start the next offer. So for example, with my course, Launch Magic, if I wanted to create a paid workshop, so the course is 12 weeks of launching your offer. Uh If I wanted to create a paid workshop to launch that, I would do the paid workshop on how to create your online course or group program, for example. So by the time they get to the end of that, they've now got an online course. Then the next step is for them to launch it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, because I find that in the paid workshops that we do, for example, is there has to be a transformation at the end of it. It's got to be one piece of it that has to be like they have to walk away knowing like I see a lot of people like they'll do like how to train a dog, for example. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, fuck, are you training the dog to piss outside? Are you training the dog to eat a treat and high five you? Are you training the dog to sniff something out? Like, what does that look like? But when I've seen them work worldwide, it's like how to train a dog to sit. Like people know at the end of that workshop, that's what they're going to tangibly walk away with. I go... You know, I do a two-hour workshop around how to create your business strategy and goals. Do you know what I mean? of either mid-year or at the beginning of the year, they walk away tangibly with that. Now, I don't show them all the ins and outs about how the, if, if one of what their goals is to how to launch. I can't teach them how to launch. Do you know what I mean? For example, yeah. in a freaking two-hour window. But oh. they've still walked away with their strategy and goals out of their head and onto paper. So I mm-hmm. believe that you have to be able to show them. Where I see people do it wrong is they may pay, make people pay for something, they're too scared because of ego or scarcity, don't give people the transformation and then bomb on their launches because people are like, this sucked. You didn't deliver on what you said you were going to deliver. Or they over deliver and they try to jam everything into the workshop. Mm-hmm. And then people leave overwhelmed or thinking they don't need anything else because they still have so much more work to do, right? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, you've just screwed yourself, right? Exactly. So there is a fine balance. All right, so cool. Again, so many questions, so little time, my friend. All right, mm-hmm. so I was on a call this last week with my mastermind clients and we were talking about the economy mm-hmm. and we were talking about specifically in Australia, how we are on our 11th interest in, rate right, increase, right? And the buying patterns are shifting slightly, not, but not completely. I'd love to know collectively, what are your thoughts about this and what are and what are you seeing, right? Uh, with people either buying, not buying from you, with your clients and not clients, because obviously this is going to impact potentially a launch. Yes. So people are still spending money. Uh-huh. This is
1: generally what I've noticed with my own business friends businesses and students businesses people are still buying things which is great yeah. news the change though is that people are now they're, they're being a little bit more selective about where they are spending their money Mm-hmm. And it's not like 2020 when people were throwing cash left, right, and center at things that they didn't necessarily need. Uh-huh. Now, people are prioritizing things that are, you know, a really urgent problem to solve or a really painful problem to solve, yeah. which means that your offers need to be the, the things that you are launching, need to be something that is solving a really urgent or specific pain point for your mm-hmm. ideal and something that they want to solve now. Yes, And more importantly, your messaging needs to show them how this offers the solution to that problem and why they need to prioritize spending money on it now. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I have noticed that has shifted in live launches is people are sitting on the fence and dragging their heels a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Where Previously, people would buy earlier on in a launch because of the bonuses. They're now sitting there until kind of last minute cart close where they're like, <gasps> Should I buy? Should I not buy? Mm -hmm. It needs to be a little bit more support in your launch to facilitate that decision-making process for your audience. Mm -hmm. And that might look like giving them a decision tree or a quiz. Like that's what I did with one of my launches earlier this year. It was a last-minute addition when I realized so many people were sitting on the fence because they weren't sure if it was the right decision for them or not. Mm -hmm. So I created a little quiz that they could fill out to see if it was a good fit or not. Mm Um, it might look like allowing them to book in a 15-minute fitting call so you can address any hesitations that they have. Mm -hmm. Really thinking about it as the process of once doors are open and those emails that that you are sending them, those emails are there to help them make a decision. They're not there to get them excited about your offer.
0: Mm -hmm. Women in business, get ready to ignite your success and elevate your game. To secure your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au today. And again, we could talk more about this, but like, again, it's the, your launch strategy starts way before the actual launch starts, right? It's like you're priming your clients and that's a whole nother podcast episode within itself, but yes, (laughs) but yes. So now my thoughts are similar to yours. My thoughts are that there may be some change in buying patterns. Like you said, for example, they're buying later versus earlier. Do you mean in a launch? But I also agree with you that there's always money to be made. There is always opportunity. And like I said to my mastermind clients on the call, explore how you can be proactive versus reactive in the current client. Do you mean environment, right? So it's like for you, for example, Steph, or i should also say in addition to be proactive versus reactive becoming adaptable and being able to pivot to i think is equally as important so you notice that hey there's lots of people clicking lots of people interested but i haven't added a quiz or i haven't added a 15 minute call great i'm going to add this or pivot this for the launch you know what i mean to meet what my clients need i think yes. often our ego gets in the way i'm not going to do that or they've no. seen the sales page or do you know what i mean can't they read or whatever but it's like some Sometimes I believe people just want to be feel seen and feel heard. And sometimes whether or not it's the quiz that does it or whether or not like uh, we just tested where we just had like a live hour Q&A where people could just come in and ask me any questions that they have versus doing individual calls, you know, and things like that. There's always a way. but. Again, be proactive. I see businesses often that they'll message, I need your help now. I need to make more money now. And those are the clients that I'm like, no, man, this isn't going to work because you want quick fixes, quick wins because you're in a place mm. of scarcity. You know, Try and run from a place of abundance. Try and run from a place of being proactive and being adaptable. What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. Like everything you just said resonated
1: so much with me. So I think about some, there are two kinds of people that go into launches, right? There are the people who, when the launch isn't going to plan when mm. people aren't buying they crumble and they're like oh this is useless nobody wants it what's the point point?" and they give up yep. or there are the ones who are like cool let me put my detective hat on and find out what's going on because now I've I'm on day one of cart open and I've got a couple more days still like a week maybe yep. uh, I've, I've got this time to figure out what's going on mm. and overcome that. And I think about um, in, back in Feb, I launched a new offer for the very first time to my audience. And because it was brand new and we didn't really have much insight to work with other than just some basic audience research that we'd done, I the messaging wasn't as strong as it could have been. And that left a lot of people in my audience scratching their heads thinking, is this right for me? Oh, so wow. I noticed this. I noticed this in the questions that people were asking me and I actually... So my copywriter writes email, writes the cart open emails for me. Mm-hmm. And instead of just leaving those emails as is, I actually jumped in and I added an extra three cart open emails to that email sequence mm-hmm. because I knew there were new questions that were being asked. There were new objections that were coming up. And the most powerful thing that I added, and feel free to add this to your launches, but I added a little automation so that if somebody viewed the sales page 30 minutes later, They would get an email saying, Hey, I noticed you viewed the sales page and you didn't buy. If you had a look and you decided that this offer wasn't for you, click here and you won't hear about it again until the next time I launch it. If on the other hand you are still on the fence, here are some ways that you can get your questions answered. And then I gave them, you know, like the option to book in a call, uh, the option to hit reply and ask me a question. Yeah, perfect. that made such a difference because it got people off the fence and it helped them to make that decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, it's just like, and we forget that everyone buys differently. Everyone has different circumstances that's going on in their life, right? And you're never going to meet everyone's you know, needs, but just being mindful and curious and coming up with solutions, it's going to help you to have a, a more of a successful launch. Absolutely. And actually coming back to what you said earlier about
1: um, there's always money to be made, It reminded me of this quote that I heard at Social Media Marketing World last year. Was it last year? Oh my goodness, I don't even know what year we're in. (laughs) Last year, Uh, when when people were first starting to really freak out about recession and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't remember who said it. I can't credit it back to the person who said it, but I didn't make this up. And the thing was, what are your strengths right now, and what does your audience need from you right now?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And that. But that for me sparked so many ideas because what your audience needs from you right now is probably going to be different to what they needed from you last year, two years ago, five years ago. So being flexible and being able to look at those needs and create new offers, tweak or pivot your existing offers and pivot your messaging, all of that is so powerful.
0: And again, there is, it's not about doom and gloom, but it is about being realistic. We've got to meet people where they're at right? Mm -hmm. And if they've got a mortgage and 11 interest rates have gone up, right, we've got to meet them where they're at. It could be that you've got extended payment plans, you know, Uh, there's a million different things that we could do. Now, I do want to talk about, so now that we've obviously talked a little bit about what's going on, the current climate, buying patterns, etc. My question is, with all this in mind, is launching dead? I mean, should people even still consider launching with everything that is going on? I don't think it's dead at all. And purely because
1: launching at its core is just a repeatable system to make sales.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Good. Glad Um, We're on the same page, Steph. Do you know what I mean? Glad we're on the same page. Now, another thing that's happening in the world, AI, artificial mm -hmm. intelligence. I mean, this little bad boy or girl, do you know what I mean, is taking over the world at the moment. And There are some people freaking out, I'm going to lose my job as I'm a copywriter, I'm going to do this. And it's like, I disagree, right? I think AI can provide a lot of great things to businesses, but I believe there are still two things that businesses really need to hone in on and focus on, and that is providing connection and providing intimacy with their buyers and also those people who are already in their programs. So I'm curious to know, with the growing emphasis on personalization, tailored experiences, how can women in business and entrepreneurs customize their launches to meet these unique needs and preferences, uh, while at the same time providing connection and intimacy? Can I
1: talk about the AI for a second first, please? Yes. Yeah. Because I have very strong opinions on this one. Uh, so I've had I'm in the middle of one of my cohorts for Launch Magic at the moment, and I've. For this round I've had a lot of people ask the questions that have come up in the Q&A calls have been you know how can we use chat gpt how can we use ai in the launching process can i get chat gpt to write me my sales page and here's the thing right the outputs that ai is going to give you are only going to be as good as the inputs that you put in yes 100%. so if you can't correctly tell it you know, these are the challenges my ideal client is struggling with. And this is what's really going on beneath the surface. And please structure it like this. Unless you can brief it really, really well, the the sales page that it writes you is going to be really wishy-washy. Yes. Right? Yeah, so, okay. So I just wanted to talk about that first. But in terms of connection and creating those personalized tailored experiences. It really, it depends on the kind of offer that you are delivering, right? So if it's going to be something lower ticket, um, I think even at least offering some kind of Q&A calls where they do have that connection with you, it doesn't have to be a Facebook group, but having some, even if it's like one Q&A call with your lower ticket offer, that still gives that human experience. You know, we came out of 2020, 2021 with All of these tiny little $27 products that, you know, I created one and I bought many of them and I've never touched any of them. And I couldn't even tell you who created half of them because there was never any human connection element to that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I think it's very fair that we are craving all of the, the the actual humans. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wonder, like, you know, if there's more focus even on um, connection with the others in your cohorts.
0: Mm-hmm. Right uh, yes
1: higher ticket higher ticket offers are going to need higher ticket experiences, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe in person stuff
0: yeah I think again, a little higher ticket, do you know what I mean, yes, I believe higher experiences, but also just higher touch points, right yeah. um, and I think people forget that you know what you pay for is what you get sometimes, right? and I think I don't know in your experience, but like in the coaching space, for example, they want to pay. Let's just say $200 a month, but to get direct access to me and my calendar and my email and my do you know what I mean, voice message and text message for $200. I'm like, that's not how it works, right? Like nope. it's time, you know, you're paying for my time and you're paying for my high touch point. Um, there's other things that I can offer for $200 a month, but it's not, you, it's not directly the same, you know? Uh, but there's this assumption out there that we should just exchange our time. And that's where, again, if you think about launching, you don't want to be exchanging your time for everything. You want to be able to back away from the computer and still make more money, yeah. you know? But there, yeah. yeah. I definitely think there's some ways that we can be more creative in the
1: experiences that we offer. Um, so I think about earlier this year, I spoke at a retreat in Tulum in Mexico and one of the people I met there was this photography business coach called Darcy Benincoza. And she I'd never heard of her before because I'm not in the photography space, but we clicked really, really well. She's great. But she was talking about how one of her offers is, so every year she travels to Paris huh? and while she's over there, She'll work. She'll deliver like this high-end experience for a client where they. She'll take them to all of these different locations. She'll take them to like a beautiful cafe and then these beautiful spots in Paris and take all of these photos of them while they're there. So at the end of the day, they've not only just had this beautiful experience, but they also now have their social media content for the next twelve months or however long. So fun, so right. Fun. So that's that's now she's taken something that's not usually the most fun experience a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And she's put a really high-end twist on it. Mm-hmm. So that's cre- getting creative with how you can create that offer, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to just be, you know, group Zoom calls and what we see everybody else doing. We mm-hmm. can make
0: it different. Mm-hmm. And again, it's about making it different but also making going back to what our clients want. Right. Like, and she would she would know that the client probably doesn't want, do you know what I mean to have to go stand in front of things, but they would want a trip to Paris. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They would want to eat croissants and drink coffee, do you know what I mean? At a local cafe shop while looking at a hottie. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. who wouldn't want that? Right. So again, and there's not gonna that's not gonna be be for everyone. Not everyone wants that, right? Some people are happy just to do go down to the park. But the fact that she's testing that, and that's what I think also is like. So many people think that their launches fail after one go and then they start to change things and change things and change a million things. But I think people forget about just giving themselves grace, Steph, and that like, maybe you just didn't have more eyeballs. Maybe nothing was actually really wrong with the launch or wrong with your offer. It just is that there was enough people looking. But then mm-hmm. I see people like go and then they do you mean we'll create another offer and then launch that. And then what happens is I start to see people confuse their audience about what they have and what they actually do. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I think you really raised a very important point there around you need to actually look at the numbers in your launch and not just, when I say look at the numbers, not just look at the number of people who bought or the number Mm. of people who showed up to your webinar. We want to look at every single number from the top of that funnel to the bottom of that funnel. And Mm. you know, like we want to look at how many people downloaded my lead magnet or how many Mm. people the lead magnet download page? How many people downloaded it? What's that as a percentage? How many Mm -hmm. people viewed the webinar registration page? How many people signed up? What's that as a percentage? Mm -hmm. How many people showed up live? Well, what's that as a percentage of the people who signed up? Mm -hmm. How many people were getting my cart open emails? How many people purchased? What is that as a percentage? Mm -hmm. And by only by looking at those percentages, can we tell if the launch was successful or not? Not by looking at how many people signed up or how many dollars we made.
0: I mm. think five
1: people signing up could be incredible or it could be really bad depending
0: on how many people saw the launch. Exactly right. And that's the thing is data doesn't lie. But we get so consumed about money and transactions that we forget to take a step back and look at the data. And then we just start again, our brain, our mindset, everything starts to wobbly, we run from scarcity, and then all hell breaks loose, right? So I'm glad that we brought that up. Because again, but data, not just in launches, but your monthly data, you know, how many people are hitting your website, how many people are listening to your podcast, etc. Yeah. And, and, And sorry, coming back
1: to the data as well, like, When you say, oh, five people bought, but that was a really good conversion rate. And then somebody might go and create another offer when you're talking about that. And they keep going and creating and launching all these new offers. But Uh let's say five people bought and that was a conversion rate of 10% of their launch list, 10% of the people who are getting those car open emails. That's a really great conversion rate. Uh And now that goal then becomes, okay, how can we get this launch in front of more people? Let's repeat it because it's obviously working. And that's when I say launching is a repeatable process because once you get it to that point where it is strategic, it is getting people, it's getting in front of the right people and it's nurturing them to the point where they are ready to buy and it's helping them to make that decision. Once you can reliably convert a certain percentage of those people, you can keep repeating it. And that's when you can start to invest in things like Facebook ads or publicists to get in front of more people, get more people into the launch and sell more. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And again, Would you agree that people try to do everything at once though, too? That, like, sometimes it's like instead of just eating the little piece of the elephant, they try to eat the whole elephant, and actually, they do everything kind of half ass and not really focus on anything, and therefore, the launch flops also, right? Again, and it's like we all, I always say, don't compare your chapter. One to someone's chapter 30, right? Mm. And it's just like we all have to start somewhere. But I think again, people are just seeing success online and thinking it happens overnight and they're wanting to do everything. And actually that's a problem too.
1: Mm. And thinking, you know, I I take one of the first exercises I take my launch magic students through is a goal, a launch goal setting exercise because people will come in and they'll say, I want to have a hundred thousand dollar launch. And I'm like, okay, great. What's the price of your product? Okay, it's a thousand dollars. So we need to get a hundred people in. Let's say that you can convert three percent of your launch list. Well, you need what's that? Three hundred thousand? No, oh my goodness, I can't even do math. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm the worst at math. This is not. how many people you need on your email list, on your launch list. So not just your general email list, on your launch list, which is people who are actually who we know are interested in this particular. They've got this particular problem. They're interested in this particular area. Mm-hmm. We need to have this many people in if you want to convert this many people to get that financial result.
0: Mm. Yep. And also a lot of times people just don't have the audience, right? It's like, I see, don't get me started on the people. I'm saying like, start a membership, do you mean create a course, do all this, all those things are great. But if you don't have eyeballs to sell to, or you mm-hmm. don't have partnerships, do you know what I mean? Where they can affiliate for you, or you don't have money for paid ads. The other thing I say is like you're going to be fucked here, people, because you don't like if you don't have people, you can't sell to. If you can't sell anything to anyone, you don't make money, and therefore you don't have a business, right? So yeah, build it and they will come. Yes, but do you know what I mean? Mm. You still need an audience, right, yeah. to be able to sell and to. I, I, and I think.
1: But on the other, on the other hand I don't think somebody needs to put off launching until they have a bigger audience. I agree I with that. Start. I do agree with it can that. It starts small. Yes. Start small and then reinvest the profits from your launch into something like Facebook ads so that yes. you can grow that audience more. Yeah. Reinvest, launch again, reinvest again, launch again, reinvest again. That is the, like, that's, I mean, I started my business with basically no money in the bank mm-hmm. and that is how I managed to grow my audience and scale it up over time. Also, you know, being consistent, doing a 600 and something podcast episodes to date, doing interviews yeah. on other people's
0: podcasts, all of that as well. But it's not been an overnight process. And I do agree. You don't need a big audience to be to have a successful launch. I'm talking about people who have like 10 people on their email list, yeah. 10 people on social media, <laughs> and they've bought into this story or belief, do you know what I mean, that yeah. they can make millions. I'm like, you still need some amount of people, do you know what I mean, to be able to sell to but you. But bigger does not mean better. Yeah. <laughs> okay, before we start to wrap up, I do want to ask one final thing. Launching in the online space is your zone of genius, my friend. So for those people who are wanting to launch this year, uh, those people who are wanting to potentially tweak their launches from what they've already got, or those people just wanting any type of general online business strategy, do you know what I mean? In the online space, where can they find you?
1: Yes. So best place to connect with me is on Instagram. I'm over there at stephtaylor.co. Um, I also live online at stephtaylor.co. That's my website. But If you want to keep learning from me, Imperfect Action Podcast is where I share bite-sized strategy around online business and launching every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So episodes are usually 10 to 20 minutes long, and they're super actionable, super full of strategy, um, and you can find me in any of the podcast apps.
0: I absolutely love it. And as you know, I always ask one final question, but you've evolved as a human over the years. But my question will still be the same because maybe your answer is different. Uh, Uh, So my final question is, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started off in business?
1: Mm, First thing that comes to mind is failure isn't optional. Mm -hmm. Mm, Failure is a shortcut and it's not optional. And if you're not failing enough, then you're probably not trying enough New
0: things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Failure. Say it again failure is not an option. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. failure
1: is not optional.
0: Yeah, failure is not optional. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, I'm failing every day, really. Do you know what I mean? But we learn from those and we grow and we pivot and we adapt, right? Yeah failure is also happens in relationships, Failure is all around us, right? I often ask my kids, what did you fail in today? And they're like, nothing. I'm like, no, you failed at something, (laughs) right? But their little minds think that they're perfect. Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation with those two (laughs) little love muffins. But as always, my friend, it's, it's a pleasure to hang out with you. It's a pleasure to be able for you to share this knowledge with my listeners. Uh, A reminder, a reminder to those who are listening that my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode over on the website at AngelaHenderson.com.au. We will include all of Steph's links. Uh, And as always, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple so that you can be the first to know of one of our new episodes being released. But for now, my friend, have a beautiful day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me for another episode of the Angela Henderson Online Business Show. Thanks again, Steph. Thanks, Ange. Thanks for listening to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, www.angelahenderson.com.au.